there's a thing called Thanksgiving that's coming up. Have you heard about it? Yeah. I should have started my diet three weeks ago. But anyway, uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time together. And thank you for how we have been led in worship already in music and in prayer. So Lord, now as we read your word, may it be honoring to you, Lord. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, thankfulness begins and ends with God. And uh, it's not a seasonal time of the year, but it's a, an attitude that we should be in every single minute of the day. And as we approach Thanksgiving, I just, I wanted to talk about the specialness that we all know of being thankful and that Thanksgiving is more than just a tableside prayer. It's more than just a day. It's more than just a meal. And so as we look at the writings of Paul, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. And as I was going through my notes, I've looked that I have preached on this chapter several times in the past. And it's just great to see that this passage can be used. The truths are the same, but it can be used in so many different situations. So this morning, we're going to be looking at his writings in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, through the glass of thankfulness. And so as we look at the book of Philippians, we see that, of course, the, the writer, the author of Philippians is the Apostle Paul, and he wrote it to the church at Philippi, uh, which was a prosperous Roman colony uh, about 61 AD. Now, I know you're thinking, oh, man, you're going through all these details. Just plainly put, Jesus Christ had not left this earth so long ago when this was written. Only 60 years. And yet we see the church is still needing Paul's guidance. And so the interesting thing is with most of Paul's writings, and this one included, that he wrote this from a prison cell. He was in Rome, and uh, the location of the first church in Europe was Philippi. And he founded this church during his second missionary journey. So here we have a church planter that is in jail for sharing the gospel, writing a love letter to the people that are continuing to do his work. So I don't want you to to look at this and look at the, this as just a book of the Bible. I mean, there is heart behind this. There are emotions behind this. And there is purpose behind this. So with that said... I don't know if you're like me, but I am looking forward to Thursday. The turkey, the dressing, and the, the deviled eggs. Can you say deviled eggs in church? The list goes on and on. And I can't wait for Tuesday night. We're going to have our Thanksgiving meal here. And if you don't, if you've never been here to see what that is, don't worry. It's not the, the fixings because they're going to be busy doing that. So what we do is on Tuesday night, we get together for soup and sandwiches, and then uh, we don't have church on Wednesday because I know most of you will be cooking your oven mitts off by then. But uh, it's more than food. It, it's more than getting together. It's more than just having warm fuzzies. It's, it's all of it together. And speaking of uh, cooking turkeys, how many of y'all are good at cooking turkeys? Okay. Good. Okay, I see that hands. I'm I'm remembering it. So when I need a turkey, I'm gonna come to you. But but no, actually, you might be surprised to know that. Did you know Butterball has a helpline? Butterball Turkey one eight hundred Butterball, and uh, that's where people can get help on their turkey 
and the trimmings when they're not going well. And so they can talk to these operators. And these operators have heard just about everything and answered about every question you can think of. And so I was looking online and they gave a few examples. One time an operator of the Butterball Talk line asked the caller what state her turkey was in. Well, she meant whether the bird was frozen or thawed, but the caller said, well, it's in Florida. Also, another talk line staffer asked an Alabama caller, I don't know why they singled out Alabama, insert your joke there, but uh, Alabama, the caller was uh, taking the phone off of speaker mode, and the caller replied, I can't, I'm calling from the shower. So why she was calling about a butterball turkey while she or he was in the shower, I do not know. Maybe because they're from Alabama, and that's the way they do it. One woman called to find out how long it would take to roast her turkey. And to answer the question, the talk line home economist asked how much the bird weighed. And the woman responded, I don't know, it's still running around outside. (laughs) That had to be from Star, I think. (laughs) I love my Star folks. But while these folks may have had trouble in cooking their turkeys, maybe even the in the most common sense process, they, like you and I, are preparing to celebrate that which we are thankful for. Well, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Are you shopping? Are your lists made? Are your arrangements for whose house you're going to be at and and who's bringing what to whatever meal you're going to have? Maybe the Black Friday maps are already laid out and you've already got pinpointed what stores you're going to hit up. But can you and I be thankful when things are not going to go our way? Because I guarantee you something in the meal is not going to cook right. There is somebody at that dinner table that's going to frustrate you. There is some deal that you're going to go pick up Black Friday shopping and they only had two of them to start with. That's the way it works. Can you and I be thankful when we are not expected to be thankful? Being thankful is more than a table-side prayer. It is an attitude. It's a way of living and a way of act. It's an act of love towards God. And Paul knows the secret of living a thankful life and the power that is found in living a thankful life. So let's look at what he says today. And again, we're looking in Philippians chapter 4. The first thing that we see in verses 1 through 3 is that being thankful begins by thinking about the right things. Being thankful begins with thinking about the right things. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my Work. Now I appeal to Iodia and Syntyche, please, because you belong to me, Lord, settle your disagreements. And I ask you, my true partner, to help those women 
or those two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others about the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose name are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. And remember, the Lord is coming soon. So here comes that, this popular passage. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. There you go. The Bible says it, so it's just that easy, right? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things. They are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Well, that is a, a pretty big chunk of passage. But we, we see as we start breaking this down, in verses 1 through 3, what is he talking about? If we want to be thankful, if we want to think about the right things, it starts with repairing our broken relationships. We see that these two women had some type of fuss. We see that they helped him in advancing the Gospels. But believe it or not, even God-fearing Christians and Baptists have disagreements with one another. I know y'all wouldn't know anything about that. But it's true. He says, I long to see you. When he says, I long to see you, I want you to understand, this shows the depth of his relationship to those that he serves with in Philippi. To feel the emotion behind this text. He is in a jail cell, folks, and he is remembering the people that he has stood beside, that he has shared the gospel with, who had been team members, and he longs to be with them. But yet he had, in the family that he loved, the church family he loved, he had two women they couldn't get along. Folks, I want you to understand that broken relationships fracture more than just your connection with the other person. If you have broken relationships, these women infected the entire church with this disagreement. Churches fight over the silliest things. Tom Rayner, who is with uh, Lifeway, did some research and, and he came out with some, these are actual things that churches have fought over. An argument over the appropriate length of the past, the worship pastor's beard. What would be the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard? Luckily, we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> if we do, that's another problem. But, A fight over whether to build a children's playground or to use the land for a cemetery. Yes, they were fighting over that. A church argument and vote to decide if a clock in the worship center should be removed. You think that's crazy? But I was at a church where it came up in a business meeting. Folks didn't like the fact that there was a clock that the pastor could see while he was preaching. I'm sure most of y'all would appreciate that, right? Now, don't let me see a clock up there next week, Thomas. (laughs) But yeah, they fought over that. They fought a big church argument over the discovery that the church budget was off by 10 cents. Somebody finally gave a dime to settle the issue. 
An argument whether the church should allow deviled eggs into the church. These are silly and they are sad, mostly because they are true. In each case, these members left, one side wins and the other side lost, but ultimately the church lost over petty issues. Some of you may be riding the waves of someone else who has created through their broken relationships. That's just like it. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. You know, you've heard that saying. If there are people in the church that are not happy, you can guarantee that there's other people that are not happy right along with them. And if they don't have enough people to be unhappy with them, they will recruit people because they want everybody else to be as unhappy as they are. It's hard to be thankful when you're in that kind of condition. It's hard to be thankful when your relationships are broken and you're harboring hate, or maybe not hate, but just dislike and disagreement. It's very hard to be thankful in those situations. And this rift was tearing the church at Philippi apart. We see in verses 4 through 5 that we need to rejoice regardless of our circumstances. Again, I can't say it enough. Paul wrote this from a prison cell for doing a crime that was really not illegal. He was preaching the gospel. He was alongside rapists and thieves and killers. Hey, what are you in here for? Preaching the gospel. Woo, that's hardcore. But yeah, he was there. The reason Paul was able to write Philippians 4, I want you to see. Look at verse 5, and the, the last half of verse 5. He says... Remember that the Lord is coming soon. Folks, Paul's focus on the gospel story of Jesus Christ enabled such a beautiful letter to the Christians in Philippi. Why did Paul even bother trying to straighten them out? It's because they were co-laborers in sharing the gospel Folks, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you show me a church that fights, I will show you a church that cares less about Jesus and the gospel. If we cared about Jesus and the gospel and seeing our family and our friends and our community reached by the gospel, we wouldn't spend so much time arguing about whether we can have devil ends in church or not. Because here's the thing. If you want to be thankful this Thanksgiving season... You need to focus on the gospel because a gospel focused life is a Christ centered life. A gospel focused life is a Christ centered life. That doesn't mean that you have to go to the corner of Main Street and yell at people as they come by. Hey, if the Lord leads you to do that, do that. You go as the Lord leads. But I'm telling you what, us keeping our faith silent and us feeling like we are entitled to our our broken relationships and our hurt and our unforgiving spirits and that we can live with that and somehow be thankful at the same time, they do not go together. You cannot be thankful in old bitterness at the same time. It's impossible. Think of those that are frustrating you. Do you hold on to those things? Will that help you advance the gospel? Absolutely not. If you don't care about the gospel, then you have a bigger issue. Because sometimes I feel like when preachers tell the the congregation you need to be all about the gospel, it goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Why are you here? If you are a believer, someone shared the gospel with you. It might have been a preacher. might have been a VBS worker, a co-worker, a friend, or a family member. If you don't care about sharing the gospel, you've got bigger issues. Because I don't know about y'all, but if you go somewhere, I was talking to my wife the other day and she said, well, you know, I got this thing for you and I can't tell you what it is. Obviously, it's some type of present. She said, it was $70, but I got it for six. She said, and hey, amen. And I hear those stories all the time. Boy, you need to try this. You need to do that. But yeah, we say so quiet on the Savior that saved us from death and hell and showed us love like we have never seen before. Folks, bottom line, saved people share their faith. If you are saved, you share your faith. God does not employ any believer to be in his secret service. Thank God for all he has done this Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving or thanking God forces us to acknowledge his faithfulness to us. Then you see in verse 7, he says, pursue God's peace for your life. So this will guard your heart and mind every day. The term guard is a military term meaning to keep watch over your heart and your mind. What are you letting into your mind with your eyes? What's on your computer browser? History. What's stashed away somewhere where nobody else can find it? What's sitting on your bedroom table? I mean your bedroom uh, nightstand or your coffee table in the living room. Do we care more about the magazines that we see in the checkout line to see what star is doing what than we do about this word right here? What are we, what, what, cha- are we tuning in Facebook and channels and, and making that the truth for our lives? If you're basing your life off of news media and you're basing your life off of your Facebook feed, you are sorely mistaken. We need to pursue peace. I'll never forget there was a teenager one time that said, I just don't understand. There's so much drama on Facebook. And then I'll go and look at their thing and they'll, they will have said something that sparked all of it. And I'll go ahead and tell you, like I told that kid, if you don't like drama, stay off of Facebook. No, don't get me wrong. Facebook is not evil. I've seen the gospel shared on Facebook. I've seen missionaries tell people what they need on Facebook. I have seen Christians encourage one another on Facebook. I have seen people come to know Jesus Christ because of stuff on Facebook. It's not the medium. It's the people. We'll pursue God's peace for your life. Peace does not mean that we're in some kind of state where there's nothing wrong. Peace means that no matter what's happening to us, whether we be in church or in jail like Paul, we can still have the purpose of knowing our life is beneficial and that we have a purpose. Well, also it says in verse 8, and I wanted to camp out this for a minute, where it says that we need to fix our thoughts. Some translations say we need to think about or we need to dwell on these things. Who decides what you think about? Does somebody pour something into your head and make you think that awful thought? Or does someone make you hold that bitterness and that unforgiving spirit? Does someone, I mean, what, even right now, some of you are tuned into me and some of you are like way over there. And that's fine. 
We think about what we choose to think about. And here we see fix. Charles Stanley says this, and I wanted to show it to you on the screen. Charles Stanley says that if we ponder negative things, our frame of mind will soon turn sour, pessimistic, and negative. If we fill our minds with the things of God, however, the opposite occurs, and we begin to see the world as God sees it. What do we set or fix our mind on? Well, Paul tells us exactly what we need to fix our minds on. And again, I I wish I could just pour into your head this whole notion of fix, because this is an action word. This is a verb. This is, you ever have one of those days where you just want to be in a bad mood? Why do we do that? Is it just me? Have y'all ever done that? You just enjoy being in a bad mood? Some days you just want to have a pity party. You just, it's a bad day. You wake up and the sun is shining. Oh yeah, it's probably going to be hot today. (laughs) Your puppy looks at you. Oh great, he's getting fur all over the place. You look at your precious kids. Would y'all act right before I take you to school? Then you get to your job. You say, oh my goodness, it's a Monday. And then you get home and it's like, oh, I got to cook dinner. Then it's time, oh, I need to go to bed, but I'm just going to lay here on the couch and watch one more episode on Netflix. And then before you know it, you go to bed and you the whole day you have been out of any kind of fellowship with the other people. You've been out of fellowship with the Lord because you haven't been thankful for the son that you got that day. You haven't been thankful for the children God blessed you with. You haven't been thankful for a job. You haven't been thankful for the fact that you have a roof over your head that you can sleep under. We think about the things we choose to think about. Why do we sin? Because we choose to. If your life is full of negativity, it's because you choose to fill your life with negativity. If you want to approach Thanksgiving this year with a godly, God-honoring attitude, think about these things, Paul says. Think about what is true. Think about what is honorable. Think about what is right. Think about what is pure, what is lovely, and what is admirable. Folks, you cannot dwell on God's stuff and hold on to the bad stuff. They cannot coexist. And you choose which one you hold on to. Folks, if we obsess with negative things, we will have a negative frame of mind. If we, if we focus on the positive things, we will have a positive outlook. What if Paul would have been in jail and he would have said, Oh my goodness, I'm in jail for a crime that's not even a crime. And these two ladies are fighting over something at the church I started. Oh, it can't get any worse than this. He'd be thinking about the wrong things. We need to apply Jesus' teaching to our lives. He says that in verse 9. He says, keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you have heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Have you ever really experienced God's peace? You know, maybe you remember that time when, when you were walking closer with the Lord and it seemed like you could take on hell with a water pistol. Or maybe there might have been that time where you, life was hitting you so hard, but the only way you could even take your next breath 
was because that God was helping you breathe. Folks, the peace of God does not, again, mean that everything is okay. It means that we can, we can survive and we can move on with God's strength. But he says, if you want to be like that, you need to read his word and more importantly, apply it. Do you know what James says about applying the word of God? Let me show you on James 1.22 says this. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. I mean, I could get up here and I could do my best to be a cheerleader. And I, well, go God. Give the spirit fingers, do the leg kicks, and we just all have a good time. But if we do not apply it when we go out of this church, we have just wasted our time. Pep rallies don't win football games. Football wins football games. Reading God's word doesn't make you a successful Christian. Applying God's word makes you a successful Christian. Because I got news for you. The devil knows the Bible better than you do. Then we see that being thankful means being content with what you have. Being content with what you have. We learned in verse 11 through 13. Let's go back and take a look at that for a second. Where he says, not that I was ever in need or I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a stomach, a full stomach, or an empty, with plenty or little. For I can do most everything through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, did I read that wrong? He says, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Contentment is a result of seeing life from God's point of view. If you're that person here today that is not content with your life, why? Is there one more thing you need to buy? Is there one more thing you need to do in your relationship? Is there one more thing you need to do in your job? Folks, i got to tell you this. There will always be one more thing. We've got to be content. Content means being thankful for what you have. And what God has blessed you with. There was a pilot who always liked to look down intently when they flew over a certain place in the Appalachian Valley. The pilot would look down. And so one day his co-pilot said, what is so interesting that every time we fly by this one stretch, you always look down. He said, well, you see that stream? When I was a kid, I used to sit down there and I used to dream about when I would be flying a plane. And now I dream about when I could be down there fishing. There is always a temptation to think that others have it better than you. But contentment cannot be achieved by increasing our possessions. The temptation to have all you want is a hole that you will never fill. And to be honest with you, there are junkyards, landfills, and storage lockers that are filled with people that have tried to do that. Then he says in verse 13, do everything through Christ. Again, you can do everything through Christ who gives you Strength. 
While, while without Jesus we can do nothing. John 15.5 says that. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Through Christ, you can have everything that God wants you to have. And then the third thing that we see is that being thankful is trusting that God will supply all of your needs. Take a look at verse 19. He says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. The same God who supplies for us will fulfill our needs with His glorious riches. This Thanksgiving... I want you to make sure that you remember that the reason that you are together and the reason that you can be together as a family, because I'll be honest with you, there are some people that they they love Thanksgiving, they love getting together with families. But for some people, this will be the first Thanksgiving without their loved one there. For some people, this will be their twelfth Thanksgiving without their loved one there. Or for some... It happened so long ago, but every year, every Thanksgiving, it's a reminder of what they have lost. Last night, we're going to be traveling a little bit during Thanksgiving, and so we decided to put our tree up last night. Still needs to be decorated, but the tree's up. And of course, when you put up a tree, what do you always need to buy more of? Lights. It's like during the storage process, they just disintegrate. You always got to get more lights. So I went out to get more lights. I went to one store, they didn't have them. Go to another store, and there they are. And I said, honey, they got boxes of 150 lights, and here's a box of 300 lights, thinking, sure, a box of 300 lights would be good. She said, no, buy two boxes. You can't have enough lights. So I got that lights, and, and so I walk in the store, and I do the helpless man thing. And sure enough, guys, if you do that, you walk into a store like this, someone's going to say, may I help you? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> Tell me where your Christmas lights are. Come on, I'll show you. So she, she takes me to where the Christmas lights are. And it breaks my heart because we started talking and she said, I hate Christmas. I said, really? Why is that? She said, my mom loved Christmas and she passed away recently. I said, I can relate. So whether it be Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever holiday it is, yes, you miss that person. But don't let it keep you from being thankful, A, for what they gave you while they were here, and B, for what you have today. Don't let death take your thankfulness away because death has lost The sting of death has lost. Death did not conquer Jesus. Jesus conquered death. And just as he resurrected from this earth, those who believe in him shall do the same. Be thankful this Thanksgiving. Because God gives you everything you need. Think about Adam and Eve, for example. God gave them everything. But yet their temptation was to question that God was holding back on them. Look, another sermon for another time, but let me just say this. If you start to view God as holding back stuff from you, you are in a dangerous place. Because God is good. 
God is love. And everything that you have is what you need. So be thankful for it. In conclusion, I would say Thanksgiving begins and ends with honoring God with your life. Thanksgiving begins and ends with honoring God with your life. Thankfulness means that you are grateful for God's blessings. Sometimes we get like the Israelites. If you go back some other time you want to read Numbers chapter 11, you'll see that the Israelites... They were like, hey, what are we going to have today from God? Manna. Woo! We're going to have roasted manna today. What are we going to have tomorrow? Manna soup. What are we going to have after that? We're going to have leftover manna. Actually, there was no leftovers because God only gave them enough they needed for that day. But let me guess, Mom. What's for breakfast? Manna. Yeah, that's right, manna. So they started to get a little attitude about that. And in chapter 11, they start saying, he says, Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat from the, it was for free in Egypt. And they had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, garlics we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this stinking manna. That's a dangerous place to be. Because what they forgot is that while they were enjoying all that food, they were enslaved. You want everything this world has to offer? Go ahead. But you will be enslaved trying to get it. Don't look at God as holding back from you. Know that He is giving you the very best you need for that day. Well, what about tomorrow? Tomorrow will take care of itself. Do you realize from the moment you woke up this morning, God gave you everything you needed to make it through the day. And however old you are, do the math of days with your age. He's done it that long and He will continue to do it. Have you lost your appreciation or amazement at God's provision for your life? No matter what God has blessed you with, it's not enough. Or do you just take your next breath for granted? A thankful Christian gives God glory. A selfish Christian seeks glory for themselves. So if you want to have a Thanksgiving worth remembering this year, be thankful for all that God has given you. And share the gospel with somebody who needs to know it. That's what true thanksgiving is going to be. It's more than just a tableside prayer. It's being thankful for what God has given you. Let's pray. God, I come to you now this morning and I just want to open up the altar, Lord, for those that want to come and pray. And maybe they want to to thank you at the altar, Lord, for something that you're doing in their lives or in ways that they hope that you will work, Lord. Maybe someone wants to come to know you as their Savior and Lord today. And they, they want to be thankful for your salvation because they haven't received that yet, Lord. Whatever their decision may be, may they come forward and pray with me or at the altar or with a friend beside them. If they don't want to walk up by themselves, they can grab somebody else to come up with them, Lord, because if if we can't pray for one another and support one another now, we'll never do it when we're out in the world. 
May we be thankful for the gospel. May we be thankful for folks like Paul that regardless of their situation, that they made sure to stay faithful to sharing the story of your son, Jesus Christ. Those that need to accept him can accept him. Those that need to pray can pray. Would you please stand as the Lord leads?